Good morning, church. I, um, I want to encourage the kids. Uh, there's places for you, so have at it. Enjoy yourself. And um, I, uh, <clears throat> I know that um, there's a, a lot of us that uh, have different connecting points here at Grace Point. You come and you uh, kind of know who they are because you look for them on a Sunday. You're kind of, oh, good, they're there. We can have church, you know, that kind of feel. And, um, and I have those too. It's all of you. But anyway, um, it would be kind of lonely if I stood up here and no one was here. But um, there is somebody missing today, and I received a call early this morning that she had turned for home, and she is now face-to-face with Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking of Kay Voorhees, who is um, gloriously home. She uh, would have been 93, uh, 92 next month. And she, uh, I know that because she and my dad would tease that they were a month apart um, in, in, uh, in years, in age. And um, so <laughs> she is, uh, she's home with Jesus. If you were here recently, my father prayed a prayer that uh, God would, uh, he's been, my dad has his own words, I've been waiting for a while for that bus to show up. And we all chuckled out loud like that. And it was one of those great prayers you'll never forget because I love laughing in prayer. It's like, it's for real now, right? And, um, and uh, her, her children, Terry, Connie, Lori, and Chris, who are uh, with us live stream this morning, um, they reported to me that, um, well, that Kay got on the bus before dad. So uh, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, except, Dad, there's room on the bus for you, too, okay? So anyway, um, Lord, we lift up uh, Kay's kids. This is glorious. This is real and true. She's home with you. But they got to live on, and that's hard to do. I pray that they would live on with a fresh fire in their souls that their mama is home with you. That, that she is more alive today, this very moment, than ever before. She's free, she's whole, and she's forever in your presence. So that's a message for all of us. And I pray that especially would be a message that Terry and Connie and, and Lori and Chris would take to their souls and be strengthened and comforted by until that great reunion that we all look forward to because of your son Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, when you get a chance, some of you know them very well, and I would encourage you to reach out to them. And um, There will not be, a, as her mother requested, as Kay requested, a memorial service, so um, she is um, home with Jesus, and that's what matters the most to them. So, um, <clears throat> now let's go from that end of life to the beginning, okay? Kind of a, a, a way I'm doing things lately. Let's just kind of and go back to birthdays. Um, You know, birthdays are a big deal, right? Uh, Yes, (laughs) some of you are going, no, they aren't. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Except for the fact that I made it another year and something else isn't working. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's not that. Um, They're a big deal uh, like yesterday. We celebrated Debbie's birthday. And uh, so that was a, a really triumphant um, celebration. We just had a blast and went out the gorge and, 
um, it was special. So happy birthday, Debbie. I know she's at home, part of us this morning as well. Um, most of us um, have been party to or been uh, uh, involved in pulling off uh, a celebration, a birthday celebration for someone we love. So I want you to think back to, uh, raise your hand if you remember either a child or a grandchild's first birthday, right? And, and, and what's usually involved? A cake and a, a big mess. I remember we thought we were going to be the parents that said, no, we're not going to have sweets until they're teenagers. <laughs> and that all changed on um, the birthdays of our three children. But it was, I remember them staring at this. They're not sure what to do. You know, it's like a cow looking at an opening in the fence. What do I do? You know, and they, uh, but in this case, they're staring at a cake and eventually they kind of dab at it and play at it and then event, and it's not long before it's a big mess. So you go back and you go, oh, I remember that. You're going to get out pictures, some of you, and recall those special memories of baby's first, first birthday and, and then later on in life. I, I remember still, um, you know, a couple years ago, my 50th birthday. Wow. Okay, that's okay. I'm okay with what you're doing right now. Um, I will pray that the Lord will forgive you. Uh, but anyway, um, but they're a fun mix, right? Birthdays are a fun mix. We, we have cake, we uh, give gifts, and we sing songs, right? You know, uh, the youth version, you're used to happy birthday to you, or when I say happy, you say birthday, happy Wow. <laughs> They're going to move on faster, okay? This is a birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, that's kind of the youth version and, and uh, that kind of thing. Um, our adult children have actually um, taken us back at times, and they'll say, remind us of our first birthday. They have pictures of it, but it's kind of fun to retell that magic moment for all three of our kids. And um, and so I thought I'd do that with my folks, and when my mom was still with us, I, I remember asking them about my, uh, you know, their memory of my birthday, and, you know, my mom, she was just wonderful, and, and you know, so, uh, but, but so I, I, I said, come on, you know, I know, I know this, it was, it was probably um, the best day of your lives, <laughs> but, but would you please tell me some detail? And mom just took off on that. And she was just almost in tears. She was just, oh, it's, it was the best birthday of all three of my children. I thought, way to go, mom. That's good. Um, but, but then my dad, it was his turn. And my dad, in his wonderful way, he just kind of looked at me and, and, and simply asked, uh, when were you born anyway? <laughs> so... Um, no, we, we've had fun um, thinking about fun memories like that. But thinking about details like that has, um, has me thinking about a, a, a birthday, a one-of-a-kind birthday that our Bibles tell us about in Acts chapter 2. I'd like you to open there right now because we're going to dig in and go deep here. Um, it happened, this birth, nearly 2,000 years ago. And, of course, I'm referring to the birth of the church. 
of which we are a part. Nearly 2,000 years ago, it's a day described in the second chapter of Acts known as Pentecost. By the way, just in passing, if you don't know the singing group from yesteryear, the second chapter of Acts, you can do a lot worse, but they're amazing. Spotify them. That's, it's a keeper. But anyway, as, as you're turning here to the second chapter, I want to talk about this special day. Okay, so it's the day of Pentecost. It, it goes by another name, the Feast of First Fruits or First Weeks. Your outline, as it does every week, has different references at the bottom. You can add this one to it. It's, it's not there. But it's worth looking up if you want to explore a little of the history of the Feast of Weeks or of, of First Harvest. Leviticus 23, verse 15 is um, a bit about it. It was celebrated annually 50 days after Passover. So Passover is like a month and a half earlier, almost two months earlier. And then comes this celebration of weeks or of what came to be known as Pentecost. And it was meant to be a Thanksgiving celebration for the harvest. Uh, you could almost compare it in some ways, uh, roughly anyway, to Thanksgiving for us, uh, the history of it at least, um, a time when we're, we're living uh, off the land and we had enough food and we want to come to God and give him praise for that. So it's meant to be a significant day in Israel's history, one of several, which would cause throngs of people to make their way to Jerusalem and to truly sell it, celebrate it in, in a festive way. And this is no exception in Acts chapter 2. Um, and in fact, um, it's fitting, this second chapter, that it's it's known as first fruits, and what happens, you're going to read about now, when the Holy Spirit came, the first fruits of his arrival in every heart, never done before, was the first fruits of his presence. So do you see the sort of parallel already going on? That, by the way, as you're reading your Bible, maybe you're like my Debbie this year is reading uh, chronologically through the Bible, you will see again and again and again connection points from the Old to the New Testament. If you haven't, if you haven't read it with those kind of glasses on, try it again and, or try it for the first time, and you're going to go, whoa, whoa, Passover. Uh, Jesus called himself the Passover lamb. John called him the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Could there be a comparison? Could there be a link? And, of course, the answer is yes. And there's tons of those back and forth. We're going to see more in the, the series that we're in called Acts or uh, In Step with the Spirit. So it's a study verse by verse of the book of Acts. So um, <clears throat> people here listening this morning uh, who've read Luke's, I've referred to it as his first book. He's the author of Acts as well, but he also wrote a gospel that has his name attached, the gospel according to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay, And in his first book, the gospel, you'll recall these words that he spoke uh, that, 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 that were three years earlier than this event we're about to read about. When 
people were actually at that time wondering. They watched John the Baptist, and he had the moves. He had the vibe. He had the look and the sound of what people were guessing would be Messiah. So understandably, there was confusion. In fact, so much so it spilt over into questions like, hey, are, are you Messiah or is there someone else? This doesn't make quite sense. So quoting from Luke uh, and his telling of that in chapter 3, verse 16, um, there's this, this moment of clarity that comes out. John the Baptist speaking, I baptize you with water because they were watching him put people under the water in the Jordan River. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is about to come. The straps on his sandals, I'm not even worthy to touch, much, much less tie. He's that big a deal. And he finishes, he, I baptize you with water, he will baptize you, ready for this? With the Holy Spirit and fire. You get a sense that this is a different look. And indeed, That predicted day had come, and it's described in these words. Look on as we read. When the day of Pentecost came, chapter 2, verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that that separated and, and came to rest on, circle the words, each of them. Everyone's involved. All of them, verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is so good. Now there there were staying in Jerusalem at that time, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. The known world was there for the festival that I described earlier. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Huh? Utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? They're Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia. If we had time, we would be doing this to a map of the ancient Middle East world. All over these places, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia up in the north, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near the Cyrene. That's way down south in Egypt area. Um, Visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in, here's that word again, that expression, our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? You ever been in that moment? I don't get it. What does this mean? But verse 13 concludes our section today in the birth of the church. Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have to have too much wine to do this kind of stuff. All right. Um, 
This happened suddenly. That's verses 1 to 4 that we just read. What, we, what we're taking in right now is, is not a distant sound that grows louder and louder as it gets closer and closer. That's not the picture here. Um, it's not the picture. We live in, uh, in Oregon. Um, we uh, live near an airport here in Portland that has a fighter uh, uh, squadron. And what I love to do is when I hear them, and very often I'll be in my office and I'll hear a distant sound, and it's a growing increasing sound. And you know what it does? It gives me time to actually get up from my desk and go out the door and just like get chills everywhere. I'm like, I mean, you want to try that with me? It's really fun. You might pull a muscle, but it's fun. Um, So I I do that because I get out there because I hear the sound and I know where they're coming from. And I've been there when I'm waiting to get on a, a, a commercial aircraft, Alaska Airlines, and, and take off, and, and all of a sudden they're leaving. I don't know what they're going to do. You're going to shoot some bad guys or just do a flyover at a football game? It doesn't matter. But I can see them take off across the runway at PDX, and it's just... And people are, are just shaking that don't know about this. And I'm like, oh. We're just getting started, baby. Because there's four of them almost always. And the second one, and and it just keeps going like that. And if I do, I'll lose another contact. So, uh, (laughs) all right. Um, That's not what this sound was about. I'm just having fun right now. It was more like a sonic boom. You don't hear anything. And then, and we haven't had, do you remember those as kids? I do. I remember, remember windows getting broken by them. And I tried to tell my dad, no, I didn't throw a ball through the window. And it was just boom. You didn't see it. You didn't hear it coming. It didn't get louder and louder. It suddenly happened. That's what this is about. Let it get quiet, right? Imagine yourself as we did at the start in that room. It's quiet. It's calm. It's peaceful. We're singing beautiful songs. Boom! That's more the spirit of the words describing this scene. A rushing, mighty, the word in New International, violent, Wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, where they were meeting. If you were to take the time and look that up, you would see how frequently those images are are attributes of God. You, You know wind is the Holy Spirit. You know, if you go back all the way back to Job, you get this sense that there's this violent wind in which the the power of God is uh, presented, is present. Uh, Job chapter 12, verse 10. And then you get Jesus saying, 
Do you know where the wind's coming or where it's going? No one does. But you, you believe in the wind. John chapter 3, he talks about that. There's, there's this wind that represents something more than just the, the, the sort of um, barometric pressure changing. It's bigger than that by a lot. And that moment's described um, also with tongues of fire, verse 3. Tongues of fire that separate and come to rest on all of them. Touched every one of them. If you go back just to the 15th verse of the previous chapter, you see that includes 120 other people that had gathered by this time. This touched everybody present, all the folks that were gathered. Got me thinking about fire, too. Um, the fire is so often uh, sort of a picture of the presence, the appearance of God to humans on earth. Uh, I made a little list, okay? And it, it's usually something of a purifying presence of God. So here, here, consider this list. Remember the burning bush in the wilderness um, where God came to Moses and Midian and said, I got a plan for you. You got to go back to Egypt. And I'm going to use you to deliver my people. How did God come to Moses? A burning bush. There's fire in that. Remember the pillar of flame that was part of the transit of God's people as it circuitously wound its way around for 40 years in the wilderness. There was this pillar of fire said to be the presence of God. It's just how God works Oftentimes, then there. Remember the the, the uh, when God met with Moses on Mount Sinai, and there's this this awesome picture that's described in Exodus 19, and there's 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 God coming down onto that mountain, and the mountain is covered with the smoke of God as He appears to Moses in fire. You don't you don't have smoke. There's not a fire, right? So again and again, clearly here in Acts, Luke wants us to see the impact that is huge of the Holy Spirit's arrival felt by all. Um, that's why I've taken the time to emphasize each of them and all of them in verses 3 and 4. In fact, it's probably time to say this. It's not a select few. This is not just the, the special ones. This was everybody that has a heart for God. Everybody that believes in Jesus Christ. In this setting and still, this kind of encounter changes people. Um, what happened that day floored the people, we would say. I mean... Um, they heard, they saw, and then it got so personal, they, they spoke in, in ways that they didn't go to school to learn the words. They, they heard something, boom! They saw something, this, this, this glorious, radiant fire, and then they, then they spoke, almost a spontaneity. That says something bigger than me or any of us or all of us combined. 
on this one-of-a-kind birthday. You were to study this scene closely. The likely response of the people. I've just kind of imagined myself being up in the up near the front, if you will, or out on the fringe. And I have imagined myself kind of going, wow, wow, wow. Like we'd say sensory overload. It's like the, the meters, all the meters are pegged at one time. Uh, been a, I would have been right there with a, a, a part of a speechless crowd in, in total shock. How do, you, how do you make sense of this? You didn't see it coming at all. Uh, it reminds me of a night, a foggy night, uh, just after midnight when I was coming home from uh, working at a gas station when I was in high school in uh, Salem. And we kind of took a windy road home. Uh, shortcuts and stuff, and my brother was driving. I was too young to drive. Um, it was it was about one in the morning. I remember, and you're probably thinking, what parent lets their 14 year old out at one in the morning? But anyway, my brother and I worked at the gas station, and we pumped gas, and we were proud Shell workers. Tired, we'd worked a whole shift, heading home. It's Friday night or something, Saturday, and uh, we come down this kind of lonely country road, and there's fog everywhere. And as we approach what, what is another street that butts into the one we're on, suddenly, you know, I'm just about to doze off. Thankfully, my brother was driving. And, and suddenly, there's this flash of light and the concussion of gunfire in the, in the road in front of us. Not once, but at, at night, if you've seen a gunfire, there's a, there's a flash. And it happened twice. And, and in that moment, I just instinctively dove down in the passenger side, and my brother guns it and takes a quick right down that other road and makes his way to, remember plaid pantries? We get into a plaid pantry, and I quickly run inside in a panic and grab the phone. There's no cell phones back then. And, and I called home real quick, and my dad answered. I go, Dad, Dad, there's a... Ah! And I just fell apart. And my brother, Mr. Calm, goes, Steve, give me the phone. Hey, Dad, there appears to be a shooting. Um, now my dad's going, what? You know, it was just a freak out moment. But that moment left me in total shock. I couldn't even speak. I was overwhelmed by what I was just now a part of. Ready for this? What I just read to you, what we just read together, was totally different than that scene. Because I was terrified. This is different. This is a holy awe. Despite the, the cannon-like sound, the sonic boom, the flash of light, this, this sensory overload, there's this, oh, like a holy awe. Imagine... Uh, verse 4, all of them in that moment filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They didn't run for cover. They didn't take off to a, 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 a plaid pantry to call home. They're in the moment. They're like, oh, this is amazing. Being in this gathering, hearing and seeing 
the sights and sounds, and then the Holy Spirit explodes on the scene, you would be deeply and personally impacted. No exceptions. You start to speak words that were given to you, actually, by the Holy Spirit, we read. You, in this instant, in this instant, are playing your part that Jesus referred to in the opening chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I imagine they went, whoa, he just said that days ago. And you will be my witnesses to the people. Remember the list we just read? You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. At this point, they didn't need to go anywhere. They were already there, gathered. Wow. So verse 5 tells us that this loud noise quickly gathered a crowd. Um, they came running. As I mentioned earlier, the feast of uh, this week and, and the harvest is uh, a crowd gatherer anyway. The city and the streets were filled with people. Um, <clears throat> and they came running. New, New Living Translation says, verse 5. They come running. And what did they discover? Did you look again at verse 11? They discovered total strangers who were declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. These people that came, they spoke foreign languages, foreign dialects, only they're hearing it all and getting it. And, and they're hearing people say things that, that, that reveals they're totally amazed. This birthday is like no other. No one's surprised with the words... Um, that Luke uses in verse 6. It's the word bewildered. Um, it meant confused. Uh, if you were there, you were in awe, but you're, you're, you're scratching your head. You arrive, just picture this, you arrive into this as you come running. And it's a disturbance. It's a stir. And, and though you're from another part of the world, you hear things that makes sense to you. How does that happen? I, um, I've preached in several countries, and I've always preached through a translator. Um, and I'm really glad for translators. Uh, I, I, I preached in Taiwan, and uh, it was Mandarin Chinese. My Chinese is a little rusty. I'm not going to kid you. Okay? But I nailed it. And these people went home impacted, which is, was my prayer. Why? Because there was a translator. And, I, and I've done the same in Honduras. I, I got a little more Spanish, muy bien, but um, uh, not a lot. We have a Spanish congregation that meets here, and they've asked me to come and preach. And the first question out of my mouth was, can a translator be there that can kind of follow me around because I get animated? Animated? Can they work with me like that? 
But I, I've, I've done the same in other countries, Kenya, Swahili. Ah. But the worst of all, um, I spent two summers, Debbie and I did, in Eastern Europe in the country of Hungary. Magyar is their language. Said to be one of the top two or three toughest languages in the world. And I preached all the time because I had a translator. Right? You get what I'm saying here? But if I didn't have a translator, none of that was true. Imagine how shocked my audience in Hungary would have been if I stood up and without like reading anything, I said, Yonapot Kivana. You're like, what? That means good morning, everyone. Okay? Yonapot Kivana. Okay? Or if I said to one of you ladies, Chokolom. Uh, You'd go, say that again, I'll smack you one. You wouldn't. It would mean I kiss your hand. And you would actually extend your hand. And I didn't plan that. It, it happened spontaneously. Imagine then if that audience in any of these lands was just completely hearing the full story of Jesus and the gospel in their language. Without a translator. No wonder Luke says they were utterly amazed. Verse 12, they were perplexed. For sure. The term means stunned. At a loss. Uh, we would say if this all happened in 2022, blown away. Same idea. Why so startling? Um, the stunner is that the Jews, you got to catch this. The Jews that are speaking, that are saying all these things in the languages of all of these visitors, I want you to see it with your own eyes again. They, were, they asked this question out loud. All these people are hearing this message clearly. Aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Do you hear the tone of surprise in that? There's a reason for that, because Galileans were known to be simple. Where is Galilee in the Holy Land? Somebody show me with your hand. Way up north. Jerusalem's where we're, this story's happening. This is way up north, not quite to the border, but it's way up there. All right? And they're known to be simple people that live there, the Galileans. They're known to be sort of... Uh, um, unsophisticated, uneducated. They are, in fact, um, some people would believe uh, backwoods people in that day. Um, let me just use the word, hillbillies. That's what they were. Um, remember the song, Beverly Hillbillies? Right, come listen to the story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, very careful family, family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food, up from the ground come a bubbling crude oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. You see how it kind of sounds, you know, first thing you know, old Jed's millionaire. <laughs> anyway, it goes on and on, okay? So you remember the song, but these are those people. That's why the tone, oh, Aren't these people hillbillies? Aren't they hicks? I'm avoiding cities to name here in Oregon. I'm just not going to go there, okay? 
But you can see that they're calling it out. This can't be. These folks, they're Galileans. But God chooses Galileans. You get that? The Bible wants us to get that. He chooses the simple, unsophisticated, humble. They just say, yeah, here am I, use me. Does that mean smart people don't have a place? Of course not. But he, he chooses plain people to tell his story. Um, that thought, I think, is what was on the Apostle Paul's mind when he said these things in 1 Corinthians. Would you listen to these words? Brothers and sisters, by the way, he's speaking to the rather pompous um, South Greece people of Corinth. I'm resisting city names here in Oregon. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were first called, when you met Jesus. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you had noble heritage or pedigree. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Galileans. He chose the weak. He chose things of this world that were, that were foolish to, to shame the wise. I heard something fall. Sorry. This is a Holy Spirit moment, I'm pretty sure, right now we're having. Um, God chose the things that are lowly. He chose Galileans. Um, and that's why Jews, I counted the cities from 15 cities mentioned, were blown away when they heard the Galileans speak clearly in their language. Powerful. So how did the crowd respond? I just have two points. First one, um, they said, what does this mean? We're going to pick up on that next week. See that in verse 12? They're taking all this in. And they ask with an inquisitive tone, what's this about? This, there's something big going on here. They were curious. This defies, like, explanation. The mystery of what we're seeing is something that, that is bigger than this moment. Um, theirs is a tone of, I want to hear more. I want to find out more. I'm leaning in to get a hold of what we're experiencing. Experiencing. Their desire to know more and have their questions answered comes out in those four words. What does this mean? Um, and that will take center stage next Sunday because it's Peter in verse 14 that says, well, let me tell you what it means. And he goes into his first sermon, and we'll, we'll talk about that. That's an important thing. But there's one more response I don't want you to miss, so let me read it again, verse 13. Some, however, 
in contrast. Uh, we're making fun of them and said they've had too much wine. That's the mockery sound. Those are words spoken in scorn. Um, and they came up with their only logical sort of conclusion. They must be drunk. There's contempt in their words, and, it, and it's sad. Here's what's also sad. It still happens today. Uh, some people who see or experience something that blows them away, um, they, they, they wonder still, what does that mean? I get a call from somebody like that, or they, call, they talk to another Christian, you know, this thing happened to me, and I'm not sure what to make of it. And, and they're sincere seekers. They want to know. They, they don't want to miss anything. Maybe you're one of them. I hope you are. But just as there are those kind of people today, there are people that go, no, really? No. You got healed for real? Doesn't happen. You, you, uh, you say God visited your marriage? For real? You say somehow that... Um, you're stable in your addiction? Come on. That's a one-way trip. You hear the scorn in that? They're the people that, that have a hard time. They, if the Holy Spirit is doing something special, I, I kind of think they might miss it. Whoever these are, some, they're just called some in verse 13. There are enough of them to, to, for you and me to fairly conclude they missed this whole thing. They went home unchanged. I don't want that to be any of us. I want us to go, whoa. Even if we don't get it, have a spirit that says, God, I'm, as long as it matches your word, anything contrary to your word is to be rejected, right? But if it squares with what you've said, make me open to it. You know, Holy Spirit, when we sing, come. Spirit, come. What if he does? Wouldn't that be great? There's not a human. I can't point to even stars, superstars, Christian superstars. What an oxymoron, right? Who, who are going to change this world? The only one that can do it is the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the deal. Are you praying for something that is bigger than any of your money, your resources, your ability, then good and get ready. Because maybe the Holy Spirit's going to go, whew, I got this. Wouldn't that be great? And if you're not sure, we're going to get to it in coming weeks. Chapter 5, Gamaliel is a rock star. He's a stud. And he's a guy that said, look, even if you don't get it, back off. Maybe God's working here. If he's not, they'll go away. This thing will die off. If he is, and you keep resisting it, you're potentially resisting God. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be on the side of the scornful and miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do now that he's 
present, personal, powerful, and on the move. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We're going to respond in song as we do each week. Sometimes um, something happens in these moments, and this may be one of them for you. Yeah, it's a look back at a birthday. But if Jesus Christ has never come into your heart, you need what he calls a born-again birthday. His Holy Spirit will only come into the hearts and lives of people who have bowed their knee to Jesus. That'll come out clearly in future studies. In fact, without the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. Romans chapter 8 makes emphatically clear. But when you surrender to Jesus, he cancels out the certificate of of debt against you called sin. He cleans the place up and then he says, I'm going to come live inside you. I specialize in living inside Galileans. I want to be a Galilean. And when I do come to live in you, then don't get in my way. Don't put me in the closet because you want to call the shots again. Let me lead the way. Let me guide you. Prompt you. Let me lead. Let me reach through you. Let my wind blow through you as you seek to be witnesses for me. To Jerusalem, that's where you live. Judea, school, work, neighborhood. Samaria, whenever you leave town and as far as you travel. Let me lead the way. Let me live in you and pour through you and I will touch others. So, Lord, we come to you right now, and that's what we want. Um, I guess this song says it well because these people were waiting. And it's a new song, but it's a, it captures a truth that I want to be true of me, Lord, that I want to wait for you. And I pray that we would be willing to wait for you until the sound and the fire and the outpouring of your spirit moves us to do and say and be things we can't be on our own. For your glory, lead us that way now. In Jesus' name.